John, I'm sorry. All the things I said, all the things I did, I didn't mean it. I was just scared. Please come back to me. Don't run. I can't apologize enough for this. Will you come back? I think Please, we've John. come to the end of the road. <laughs> right? Did I get it? You're pretty close. You're pretty uh, close. We're going to get into it, baby. Right band. Right band. It's boys to men. It's boys to men. Oh, man. I can't wait to get into this more with you. Okay, well, let's start the show then. Let's start the show then. Hello and welcome, Rise Guys and Rise Gals, to another installment of Mad About, Mad About You, your Mad About You recap podcast. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm Jonathan Marbley. Jonathan Marbley. So fancy. Should I be Russell Fader? Yeah, you sound like an athlete. Nobody has ever said that about me (laughs) because of my name or otherwise. I think I might just be conflating the athletic brand, Russell Athletic. That's been a nickname of mine in the past. Yeah, you sound like sweatpants. <laughs> yeah, I sound like sweatpants. That's more on brand for me. <laughs> <laughs> on bended um, knee. On bended knee. Is that it? That's the name of the song. I got it. Get to it. You got it. You got it, baby. I know something. Um, you do. I saw Boys to Men. That was my first concert. I saw it at a castle in really? Osaka, Japan. Oh. It them. <laughs> I. I saw this beast. <laughs> this four-headed. No, three. They were missing their bassist. The, it was the three. Yeah, he was sick or yeah. something. No, well, we'll get. We'll, we'll we're gonna talk. Oh, is he always sick? How much is sick code? Yes, yes. Yeah, sick was code. <laughs> we're gonna get to talk all about them in a little bit. But for right now, you're well. I hope. Yeah. If I wasn't how's well, your, we wouldn't be doing this. How's your appendix? <laughs> it's, it's dynamite. Yeah? Yeah. Good. My appendix can go straight to hell. I think it did. <laughs> I think it did, too. <laughs> do you have it? No. What do they do with it? Throw it out? Probably. Compost? Some sort of bio-waste thing, I'm sure. Student? Yeah, they give, us, they give it to a student. Medical student? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This week, the whoever, appendix goes to... Yeah, whoever does best. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what happens to it. I should have asked. Should have asked to keep it. Or not uh, even keep said, it, but just we know yeah. where is it? I don't know. I'll call the uh, hospital and ask. Hi, I left happened. my appendix in room. <laughs> yeah. Hi, you you may or may not remember me. I was there a couple of weeks ago. First of all, thank you. Fantastic job. Secondly, I, I, I'll, I'll be damned if I can find my appendix. <laughs> I I don't know if you remember me. I'm the patient who had their appendix taken out a couple of weeks ago in New York City. <laughs> well, wonderful. Let's talk about Mad About You soon. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Now. Great. <laughs> I didn't want. I just didn't want to rush things. Where this is Mad About Mad About You's fifty eighth episode. Wow. We're talking about yeah. It's a lot of episodes, my friend. We're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 12 of Mad About You, episode titled How to Fall in Love, and uh, it premiered on January 19th, 1995. Isn't that right? It, it's correct. Bingo. Bingo. Nailed it. You want the uh, TV guide? 
I would love to know what TV Guide said. While Jamie and Paul are out testing pickup techniques, Ira and Jamie's friend Susanna get to know each other. Okay. That's sure. perfect. That's I perfect. read it weird because I got confused by the end. Yes. But it's perfect. It's it's very perfect. The thing it's, about TV Guide descriptions is you if you overthink them while you're reading them, they fall apart. Isn't that always the way? I got ahead of the text. Of so many things. You got ahead of the text? Yeah. You you know what happened? You were you were you were playing the end in the beginning. Right. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's very silly. We we don't even need to necessarily I'm glad that we do have the Ira storyline, but we don't need it. Well, we need it to fill out half the show. Yeah. Well probably less than half, but like it's Yeah, it has nothing it's interesting because this shows this episode is just two too many episodes. Yeah. That cut yeah. back and forth. Totally unrelated, really. Well, basically, no. Yeah. I just saw the connection because they, uh, uh, they pick each other up, right? They do pick each other up. Yeah. I like this. I came to the realization at the same time as you did. Yeah, it's almost like we're picking each other up. Yeah, now. we're stupid, but we we, <laughs> we got smart at the same time. Hey, John, you come here often? Nothing doing, huh? <laughs> it's gonna be, uh, have to be a little more clever than that, my friend. You're, I'm getting iced out, boy. Oh boy, you're the first guy to use that line on me. <laughs> <laughs> I I am the first or I'm not the first. You're not. No comment. No, not the first. Okay. <laughs> I think we should tell our listeners. Yeah. That we're gonna go a little loosey goosey today. <laughs> yeah. Why not? We're shaking up we're the format mix, a little. Mix up the format just a touch. Yeah. I'm sure you'll all let us know how much you love the <laughs> format, and that's all you'll say or hate it. Tell Russ. <laughs> but really, it's just more like no real format. A little format. A little format. It'll probably be the same. We're gonna, yeah, it's going to be very close to what we've uh, done, but uh, but a little bit a little, a little, a little, a little bit looser. Yeah, because everybody, what's better in uh, podcast than a lack of structure? Yeah, right. It's what people crave. Children yeah. crave it. Adults crave it. Lack of structure. Especially, yeah, especially 50, 58 episodes in, people are just like, just do what you want. I don't care about the thing that I've come accustomed to and like. Yeah, this is, now a, this is now a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, so everyone strap in. <laughs> Those are very popular, my friend. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the McElroy brothers, I've talked about them, I think, in the past. Mm-hmm. My brother and my brother and me. They also have a separate podcast, which is now a uh, it's a, a, a role-playing game podcast for a long time it was a dungeons and dragons podcast they took one of the stories that they played on that dungeons and dragons podcast and turned it into a graphic novel which just premiered at number one on the new york times bestsellers list wow so yeah well that is one productive duo yeah trio their dad plays dungeons and dragons with them so it's four of them it's the three brothers plus their dad all right it's fun wow uh yeah i'm gonna read thank, thank goodness I'm giving them a plug on our podcast. Yeah. They need help. <laughs> yeah, everyone, let's keep them the at number one them. on the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll put a <laughs> they dent do the in same that. for me. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure if they start to slip, we'll be the ones to save them. There we go. So all that being said, now is when we typically would talk about what was on television. <laughs> yeah, Russ, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? What's going on? What's well, your segment? Uh, do this- your segment. Do you it's time for the rust bit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh we'll talk about we've done this a little bit in the past. Are we gonna do it again now? Music. And uh yeah, we're Boys gonna to talk men. about what was we're gonna talk about 
Billboard Top 100. Oh, this uh, is going to take one. forever. <laughs> no. This is yeah, take okay, three hours. starting starting <laughs> at 100. Number 1 on Billboard Hot 100 for the week that this episode premiered was the song On Bended Knee Oof, by Boys to Men. Man. Now you have a lot of knowledge on Boys to Men. Well, yeah, I mean you're saying that rel- because it's relative to my knowledge on every other band we've ever talked about i know something yes, that's exactly right right yes the difference between nothing and something is vast <laughs> you're a hell of a philosopher <laughs> yeah i had coolie high harmony their first album on cd <laughs> never heard of it <laughs> you've heard of uh motown, you've heard of philly. motown philly yeah, of course yeah and you've heard of uh it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday are you serious yeah that's how that you get famous there. i guess but you have those a two killer, huge songs. Yeah, that's a killer album. Yeah, it was great. And then this was off of their second album called Two. Huh. I remember that vaguely, I think, the cover of it. It was a, yeah, just a big Roman numeral two. Yeah. Yeah. I guess where, that's why. And, and, it's pretty easy. And boys and men were on either side of that big two. Right. Almost as though their name was Boys to Men. Almost. And they spelled it that way. Everyone knows, though, of course, they're not called boys T.W.O. men. No, 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 no. They are boys uh, I.I. men. And that's what I'm going to call them for the rest of the episode. Though I wouldn't mind the choir. men. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like if there was a little known choir called Boys to Men, it was just a bunch of boys, like the Vienna Boys Choir, and then two men who (laughs) (laughs) who sing the deeper notes. And then Statler and Waldorf just picking on them. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have a Muppets segment. There we go. On Bended Knee is because they had a huge string of hits back during this couple of years. I'd call it a Before, heyday. On Bended Knee, this is fun. So here's the way the billboard went at the end of 1994. Okay. Mm-hmm. So August 27th, I'll Make Love to You hit number one on billboard. And it stayed there until November 26th. That's not normal, right? That's not normal. Okay. This was a massive, massive wow. hit. Which songs? It, I forgot. I'll make love to you. <laughs> I was, I'll make love no, I know. I was so wowed by the dates. I forgot which song you said. No, I understand. So, and then. Baby, all through the night. There you go. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. You're getting me a little. You're this, this. You're definitely picking up on me, and I'm definitely into it, John. You're doing very well. Yeah, I know the boys too much. Flirting with me goes. Yeah. <laughs> so. So it was number one until November 26th, December 3rd, right after that, On Bended Knee became number one. Whoa. And it stayed there. This is where we get fun. It stayed there for two weeks. Okay. (laughs) So it was there December 3rd, December 10th. It comes back to be number one for another three weeks. On January 7th. Wait, do you know what replaced it? Was it a Christmas song? I do. It was the weeks of Christmas and New Year's. It was the two weeks. Uh-huh. Don't tell me Mariah Carey's a... Uh, I won't, but that is a great guess. Thank you. Wow, and I'm really make, killing it. That would make sense. But it was a song by Ini Kamozi. Do you know the name of the song based on that? I don't know what or who that is. It sounds Japanese, though. Ini Kamozi? It is not Japanese. I believe it is Jamaican because the song is Here Comes the Hot Stepper. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Yes, you have. 
Oh. Here come the hot stepper, murderer, I'm the lyrical gangster, murderer. <gasps> oh, yeah, Excuse yeah, me, yeah. Mr. Officer, murderer, I still had... love him like that. No nah, idea nah, nah, what nah, he nah. was saying. Okay. Nah, 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 Oh, that was the uh, theme song in uh, Preda Porter, the Robert Altman film about uh, Parisian fashion shows with Julia Roberts. When did that come out? I think 93, maybe? 90, I must be... No, I... It must be now, right? It must be when the... I am not sure. Was it Here Comes the Hot Stepper? Because the na-na-nas are also taken from... Oh, that's a Land sample? of a Thousand Dances. From, it's, it's, not a, it's not a sample, but like that lyric... You know what I'm talking about? Na-na-na-na-na. Oh, no, no, no. It's like... Na-na-na-na. Burlap. Right? Is that part of it? Did you say burlap? I guess I did, but I was trying to do the sound. <laughs> Burlap's the only fabric that's not a monopia. Burlap. He's saying murderer. Okay, but that's the song, right? Yeah, that's the song. Okay, yes. so, you know, potato, potato. <laughs> here comes a hot stepper, parentheses, burlap. I tell you what we got on our hands, uh, Russ, a burlap. A burlap. <laughs> so, so I love the idea because also Unbended Knee is about a guy begging the forgiveness of his woman who he has wronged, right? Yeah, Eni Kamosi. Here comes... The Hot Stepper, Preda Porter. Yeah. Oh, the name of there his album was Preda Porter, or he made that song for the film? I don't think he made the song for no, the No, because that seems crazy, I right? Think, I think that would shock me to my core. The album's called Here Comes the Hot Stepper. Oh, it was just on the soundtrack, I guess, which came out in 94, FYI. So, yeah. Sure. Okay. The timing is amazing. That Yeah, it's right around Christmas. So, people are just like, yeah, we want to have a banging Christmas and a hot, hot, hot New Year. We're going to yeah. do two weeks of Here Comes the Hot Stepper after three weeks of On Bended Knee. And then we're going to come back and come back to our senses and be like, girl, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about what happened on Christmas and New Year's. That's hilarious. I got real crazy. That's really funny. <laughs> Listen, this might be crazy. Follow the May May here for, with me for a second. Okay. I only know that song. And I was in the Philippines at the time because I yep. saw the trailer for Ready to Wear a.k.a. Pret-a-Porte, or Pret-a-Porte or whatever, a million times. It was released on December 25th, 1994. Do you think the marketing campaign brought that song to people's attention? Absolutely. Right? Because the I song mean, dropped in, like, August. Well, I mean, wait a second. I, it, could be, it could be both. I'm sure it's both. But the song dropped in August? Yeah. And then this... Wow, that's really weird. And this is for an Altman movie? That's what's so weird. It's like, yeah, Robert Altman was that. Yeah, you know, you know how all the dance hall kids yeah. <laughs> across the nation were like, "What's that song from the Pret-a-Porte commercial?" I just think people oh, were man. hearing it. Maybe. It looks like it's going to be his fi- his best work since Nashville. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Here come the hot stepper. Came out in August. That's so funny and very strange. Yeah. So yeah, like you said before, there were there were three guys in Boys to Men when you saw them, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, their bassist left the group when? because he uh I'm not positive as to the year, but he had back issues. What if it was that night? What? What? Why do you go there? Why not? Why wouldn't That's I go so there? That's so funny. Well, cuz it wasn't was- like it wasn't like, oh, where's the bassist? It was like they mentioned that he wasn't there. Sure. Yeah, he. Mi- I feel like he missed a lot of time, and then he left the band. 
I think that's the way it went. But it seemed like he was on the tour, just not performing that night. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, then you're right. Maybe that was his first night that he wasn't able to perform. Or at Look, the very ha- least, during the back issues. I, is he okay? Uh, yeah. I, this I is think 20 so. years later now. He's as fine as he can be for having back issues. Right, right. Okay. For me, On Bended Knee is not as indelible as the other Boys to Men slow jams. Your I'll Make Love to Use. Your uh, One Sweet Days, for instance. <sighs> I don't know that I can really draw a distinction. Well, that's another part of it. But one thing that no, I no, will I say. No, no, I mean, like, it's like, it's like, I like fruit and they're all good fruits. Okay, that's fine. One thing that I will say is that the girl, I'm sorry, breakdown in the middle of it. Yeah, sure. It is indelible. It is my favorite. But also, I feel like I feel like no matter what the Boys to Men song was, the bassist spoken word breakdown in the middle was always, girl, I'm sorry. Well, like, you have to keep have, it broad. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but like... They can't I use can, a name. I, I can imagine him in the middle of that song, Thank You, where it's just this up-tempo number... Thank you, you know, even though times got rough, you never turned away, you were right there. And I thank you. I can imagine the breakdown of that being like, girl, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I see. Not just girl. It's always I'm sorry. Yeah. He's always They're sorry, always no matter what the context right. of the rest of this song is. Yeah, and he's you always know? like, I got to work on that. Why do I apologize every time? <laughs> I know you're expecting to see results rather than just hollow apologies <laughs> but this is where i am right now i promise to put my money where my mouth is and not just deliver you empty words in the future it sounds it sounds like a, a f- popular therapy in the 90s yeah it's like do well, your boys to men breakdown russ and see <laughs> you know well i know our time is up but we'll see you again next week <laughs> for track three <laughs> wow boy oh boy so boys to men very interesting Love them, love them. And I'm glad you do, too. What that a was, rain. That was, that was quite a pull. Yeah, they were, I mean, they were huge. Yeah, huge, huge, number huge. one. Good for them. Yeah. I'll also say there is a lot to be said for delivering those breakdowns and some of those lines with the bassist. Because one thing that happened, sometimes bands do this. I, I listened a little bit today. They re-recorded at least some of their original tracks probably because I know sometimes record companies will own the original recordings to songs. Yep. And then, you know, the artists don't get any money right. later on whenever things get sold and now things stop being sold and or th- and so it's hard for them to get money. So they'll re-record them. So they re-recorded a lot of their early hits. Interesting. With, with just the three of them. Oh. And, and so they did Motown Philly and there's the line early in Motown Philly. A lot of the lyrics of that song are very silly. Yeah. But they've got the song, the line early where they're like, Jet Black Benz, Plenty of Friends, and then the bassist. And all the Michael something, McCready, something uh, you can. And all the, yeah, he goes, and all the Philly steaks you, you can, can eat. eat. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And that's a silly line yeah. that you get away with if your bassist is singing it right. or saying it. But instead, they have like, he's not there. So they have the guy with the next lowest voice, like the baritone, just being like, and all the Philly steaks you can eat. Right. And it's like, it doesn't, that ain't cool. It doesn't sound like a button. It sounds like a like, <laughs> yeah. this is the same as all the other ones. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is and the one we like, built to. Not that this isn't yeah. the turn. This is the climax. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden you realize it's like, wait a minute, you're singing about steaks. 
this, <laughs> when when he does it, I'm into it. When you do it, it's just like you seem kind of lame, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love a steak album. Just a bunch of meat right. songs. Just a bunch of meat songs. Boys to meat. <laughs> I'd buy it. Yeah, cannibal compilation. <laughs> I love it. Hey, John, what's the John bit? Guess what was in the news? <laughs> oh, good. We'll talk. We're going to mix things up, guys. Instead of talking about TV and the news, we're going to talk about music and the news. Well, I tell you what, we got an email from one yes. of our listeners. Yes, we did. Vincent, a.k.a. at, we've heard his name before. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I love to say it this way. Assassino Ezio. Beautiful. On Twitter. Hello, Vince. I'm going to read this email. You'll see where it goes. It's very fun. I love Mad About You, and I'm glad I came across your podcast. Aww. We're glad you did, too. It's given me an opportunity to rewatch the show. Same on us. And have a new perspective Mm -hmm. on it. Same on us. Same on us. Not on us. For us. Thank you for that. Just a quick email since I teased it earlier on Twitter for those of you who are paying really close attention. I really like the portion of the <laughs> Yeah, sh- for, for those of you Twitter followers who are like, oh, when's this email from Vincent going to come out? <laughs> and how are we, we going to know baby. when he sends it? <laughs> I really like the portion of the show when you read the news of the week when the show aired. I really love the story of the marathon drummers. You remember that was a that's a classic. Us too. That is a classic story. Oh my goodness. That was awesome. Ah. <laughs> but the reason for this is that when you started, you mentioned you were looking forward to talking about a specific ongoing event that happened during the run of the show. Mm-hmm. However, I noticed the news seemed to focus on the East Coast, and I didn't want you to miss this. So this episode aired on January 19th, 1995. And what happened on January 24th? Though I think it was 25th. That's okay. One of us is right. Drum roll, it says. The opening statements of the O.J. Simpson trial. It's here! And then he very... We made it, John! We made it. We missed it, to be honest. Well, we didn't miss we, the trial, but we missed the, the Bronco chase. We did miss the Bronco chase. It happened chase. during hiatus. That's true. That's why we missed it. It happened just a few weeks after uh, the season finale. Oh, my God. Uh, he says, I have an, a, a little anecdote I'd like to share. I graduated high school in 1994. I've lived in Southern California since I was 13, and I remember graduation day was a very special, memorable day, as do we all. Mm-hmm. The day after the ceremony, a few friends and I decided to spend the day at the beach to reminisce about the time in high school and to look forward to what the future had in store for us. I mean, this is one wholesome high school. For sure. Wow. After a long day, we started to head home, and I remember the drive home being unusually heavy. Traffic didn't seem to move at all for some time. Now remember, this is a time before Google or cell phones. We had no real way of knowing what was going on. In fact, it wasn't until I got home that I learned that the reason for the traffic was a slow speed chase with a white Ford Bronco that was probably a couple of miles ahead of us as we made our way home. That's so amazing. Can you believe our listener was stuck in OJ traffic? I feel like a celebrity listens to our show. I do. T- I mean, that's this is the closest. I, I think there's the fewest <laughs> degrees of separation now. Yeah. Between us and a monster. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. So this week I did in it. The slow, in the Bronco chase. Wow. I know. Do you remember it? I was, I was yeah. uh, out of the country. I do. I think. No, I, I was maybe here over the summer, and we, I don't, we're not a sports family. Okay. So nobody knows OJ, you know, I didn't even know he was a football player until like I was but 20. But you love the Naked Gun movies. 
I thought he was only in the third one. Is he not? All of them, my friend. I don't like got them. The, you don't like them? I was a condescending kid. Maybe be hard to believe. I thought uh, comedy well, like that was... Well, you're so open and accepting now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Shut up. I thought, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, thought com- I thought comedy like that was stupid. I'd like it now. Sure. I, w- I thought it was too lowbrow. Yeah. All right. That that tracks. But now I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah. I mean, he's very funny in those movies. So so he gets a lifetime pass from me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember in the. Uh, I mean, I I'm a casual football fan, and I did know the. I knew him from that. Really, as well. Uh, yeah, I knew him from football. I knew him from because he was also a broadcaster. Right. That's right. And and also, I love the Naked Gun movies. Right. And so yeah, it was just like it was crazy because I was in I was in seventh grade or between seventh and eighth grade, or if, oh, gosh. Uh, what are we sounds, talking about? That 90, right. 94, 12, 12 years old? Six or seven? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, things went from, like, at the beginning of the day, in the morning, it was, oh, my goodness, OJ's been accused of murdering his wife. And just thinking, like, well, that's false. There's no way that that right. happened. What right. a crazy thing. And then by the end of the day, just being like, wait, he did it. Like wow. he definitely did. Yeah. And then it's just like, and then I remember driving uh, to Blockbuster Video and hearing about it on the, the radio. radio. Yeah. And driving with my my mom, and then getting home and just and watching it, and being like, and part of it's the closest thing I think I have to like when Lee Harvey Oswald was killed on television just being like something terrible can yeah. probably happen at the end of this and i know that that wasn't the thought process at the time with oswald it was just like oh we're gonna watch this guy go from point a to point b right. and then oh my god so it's he a was false shot. analogy right so right. I, sh- I probably so shouldn't have not even like brought that. it up at all yeah. it's not okay. like that it's like a different thing <laughs> you know what it is it's like naked gun two and a half oh sure uh, no, <laughs> you in that this could you go horribly wrong <laughs> But yeah, it was it was just uh it was a weird a weird thing to have happen and and to to watch and then just all yeah, like that night just being like, "Oh, okay, he he did it." it yeah, it was, that is it is weird to find out like not necessarily a hero, but a someone you admired the, in some way is a murderer. Yeah. And the person who you thought like of all people to do such a thing, that was the opposite of his Right. Presence. Yeah, I mean, I'm imagining it's like if I found out John Madden killed his wife, because that's a that's a guy I knew, a broadcaster who I was friends with. Or friends with. I For you and yeah, you and John Madden yeah. went all the way back. I said, I remember we were chilling with some Coors Lights on the beach one day, and I said, John, you got to make a video game. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, you know what else you should do? You should say boom a lot and ride a bus everywhere. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but. <laughs> It, it's like that, right? Like, that's how beloved OJ was? More so. Oh, that's even crazier. Because, like, you know, yeah. I would watch Monday Night Football in college, and I loved John Madden. And people loved him from that. He was on... Um, I can't imagine Hertz. him speeding down the highway, though. More like, ah, no. No. Get hey, move. <laughs> they, uh, they caught me. <laughs> I mean, OJ was on Hertz commercials also. Oh, Hertz commercials. I yeah. remember I was obsessed with r- car rental ads when I was in middle school. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm making fun of you. You look very offended. <laughs> and, and I was just confused. I didn't know you were. I didn't. 
I didn't know you were saying... Also, first of all, so A, I didn't know that you were making fun of me just now. That's amazing. Because B, your whole, I was obsessed with... That joke doesn't hold up because you would absolutely be obsessed As with As I was saying it, I felt like a hypocrite because I love those, yeah. those collect ads that Wayne Knight yeah, was of, in. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. <laughs> oh, and Paul I Reiser. Accept your apology. Wasn't Paul Reiser a sprint guy or something? Am I crazy? Ooh, didn't he do? He might have been. I feel like he did phone commercials. We gotta look into that. Richard Lewis did. That's amazing. I think he did one eight hundred call att or something. Wow. And and he also did those alcoholic no the the, the grown up juice boxes, Boku. He sold alcohol. <laughs> I don't think they were alcoholic. I think they were just just like hey, so you're a grown up, but you want to have a juice box. I mean, what a, what a time. What a time. <laughs> yeah. So. Everyone knows all about it. We don't have to go into the details of the OJ trial. We don't have to, but we're going to over the course of the next year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Sure. What I did is I looked into some of the, you know, uh, (laughs) I labeled it OJ twists for Russ. Okay. First one. This is just a weird coincidence. It doesn't really matter. You remember how you gave me that TV guide with Paul Reiser on the cover? Yeah. The issue before that one is OJ. So Paul Reiser and O.J. Simpson, TV Guide adjacent. That is a twist. <laughs> Another one. New York Times bestseller list from February 12th, 1995. So this is right after the trial started. Yeah. So any book. Well, no. Some of these books were rushed to press. Some of these books, I think, were written before the murder. Number one. <laughs> And I don't know the history of this. Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if this jumped to number one. Yeah, I bet it came out like months before. It's called I Want to Tell You. Does that ring a bell? No. Well, it was written by O.J. Simpson. (laughs) And it says the former football star, now on trial for murder, responds to letters he has received. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So maybe we'll do a mini-sode on that. Yes, please. Number three. This will just this is like a 90, 1995 Rorschach. 1993, <laughs> and this is also the only I'll save that to the end. Crossing the Threshold of Hope by Pope John Paul II. <laughs> so, Great. So the okay. Pope's two slots down from OJ. Yeah. The Pope discusses matters of belief, suffering, and hope. Number five. Well, I'll tell you, if the Pope killed somebody, maybe he'd be uh sitting in the catbird seat. Sipping what? Sitting in the catbird seat. Is it a little bit higher? What's the catbird? Catbird. The catbird seat is another way of saying number one. Really? Yep. Why? I don't know. That's fun. (laughs) I learned something. There you go. Uh, Raging Heart by Sheila Weller, which is an account of the marriage of OJ and Nicole Brown Simpson. Okay. Would you write that in a week, Sheila? (laughs) Number Sick burn. At number eight, a book I think I read, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man by Tim Allen. Okay. I'm not sure if I read that one, but I might have. Meditations yeah. on Life by the Star of Home Improvement. Ah, uh, thank goodness he wrote a book. Gay panicky meditations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't stand too close to a naked man because you might become a homosexual. Uh, it'll, it'll, it's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, get ready. Mm-hmm. You know what's coming? I don't. Couplehood, couplehood? by Paul right. Reiser. Essays on the ups and downs of marriage. So similar to some of the other books on the 
on the sure. list sure. by the television oh, star. Jesus, John. And stand up comedian. Uh, a book that sits on my bookshelf to this day. I read it. I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it's the only book. It's the only way to get two middle schoolers like us to read about marriage <laughs> in sixth and seventh grade. <laughs> I, I remember just like being like, yeah, it's just a normal book. Oh, it's great. It's funny. It, what do you mean? You're you're <laughs> what are you reading? Twelve year old. I'm reading Paul Reiser's work. He talks about what it's like to, you know, settle down with the right person. Yeah, you're reading about Gandalf. I, I'm reading a chapter about what it's like to go to the movies with your wife and you get the snacks <laughs> and she gets the tickets. <laughs> it's funny because he did a good job of masquerading his material as a book. Because it yes, it's just like sign language, except sign language doesn't even try. Sign language sign is just language like is blatant. Yeah. yeah, it's like they said, "Hey Jerry, can we turn this into a book?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't care." Yeah. <laughs> and then number twelve, Nicole Brown Simpson. It's called by Faye D. Resnick and Mike Walker, the former wife of O.J. Simpson, as remembered by a friend. That's sure. three O.J. related books. Yeah, Faye Resnick's book was a big deal. This is the only time I'm saying, "Oh, you remember that book?" It's been brought up. It was, I believe, it was salacious. I'm not positive. I, I would assume was, so. Yeah. This is the only list I dare say that has O.J. Simpson, Pope John Paul II, Tim Allen, and Paul Reiser on the same list. You're not counting the list in my heart, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so that's special. Okay, now I got two. I got. Oh boy. So of course, you know, everyone's trying to get their. <laughs> Everyone's trying to cash in on this trial, right? Sure. Uh, so I, uh, out of curiosity, I just, I, well, I Googled O.J. Simpson, New York City. Okay. Uh, in the news, different newspapers, trying to see if anything came up. The O.J. Du- the O.J. done it lacks any real juice. A theater review from the New York Daily News, subheadline: it's murder sitting through this dismal dinner theater. Oh, man. Oh, by Michael Musto. We've talked about him. We love him. Hey, he's wonderful. The OJ whodunit mystery is almost as disheartening as the actual OJ trial, but at least you get dinner. The (gasps) interactive production, loosely based on the OJ whodunit book by Larry Wolf Horowitz, Horowitz, finds its level early on with the resistible mirth of menu items like Dream Team Chicken, Marsha's Fishing Trip, and Ito's Postability. Oh. As you try to order, I was not ready for themed meals. <laughs> As you try to order, anyway, lookalikes of the trials notables plus TV personality Bill Boggs. I have no idea who that is. Do you? Doesn't ring a bell. As factitious tabloid show host Maury O'Donohue, barrel up to your table and aggressively schmooze away. While Marsha Clark debates her new hair with you, Johnny Cochran slips you a few smackers. Monopoly money, naturally. And Cato Kalin wonders if he can stay at your place. I want to go to this so bad. After a groaner-laden celebrity roast of Simpson, <laughs> the actors uh-huh. take to the stage to enact the evening's central crime. In parentheses, oh, Michael Mustard Shady says, aside from the overcooked chicken. <laughs> it's the mysterious murder of a reporter who had interviewed Cato, the dog, that is, and learned the truth about OJ. There are seven suspects in this murder, ranging from a mafioso to a Klansman. What <laughs> and then, is happening? In Musto parentheticals, to me by this point. 
<laughs> and before voting on a verdict, the audience gets to interrogate them all. Mostly, I just wanted to ask when dessert was coming. This is amazing. That like, Can you believe this? Th- it's an OJ-themed murder mystery for a different murder. Re- re- like, peripherally regarded to a dog. Yeah. And then with they just, just take with archetypal... With just other characters made up. Yeah, yeah. Archetypal controversial bad guys from the 90s. Mafia. KKK. Holy cow. Occasionally, the show exhibits the courage of its lack of convictions and can veer towards fun absurdity. Like when Cochran strip dances to cheer up the overstressed Marsha Clark. That's fun. But not enough satirical points are made or pathos projected to give the comedy any bite. The mostly desperate mood (laughs) is not helped (laughs) by one-liners about Reagan's Alzheimer's problem and the portrayal of Denise Brown as a cheap tramp. Who's that? I think maybe Nicole Brown Simpson's sister. Not positive. The lowbrow crowd should probably wait for the inevitable Timothy McVeigh musical instead. Oh, boy. Oh, Michael. Michael. That that stings. That text stings. Yikes. Can you believe this? I I can't believe how badly I want to go to this show. Oh, I know. If if you had a time machine. Uh, Yeah. Top of the list. Yeah. That just moves to the top of the list. Wow. I got one more because it's so good. Cool. This is from this is by Frank Rich of the New, formerly of the New York Times. It's from November twenty second, nineteen ninety five. So this is when the trial. This is right after the trial ends. As New York humiliations go, closing on Broadway on opening night is near the top. Such was the self inflicted fate of Christopher Darden on Sunday. For those who don't remember, Christopher Darden was the uh, worked with was Marsha Clark's uh, yeah. colleague. He was a part of the. He was yeah, a prosecutor. Was the, yeah, prosecutor, yeah. For OJ. He wrote a book he called Under Pressure or something. He under did a fire. terrible job. Huh? He did a terrible job, this poor man. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, well, wait till you hear this. Only weeks after he had held millions spellbound in the trial that was supposed to make everyone who fell within its spotlight, Robert Kardashian possibly accepted, a star forever. It was on Sunday that Mr. Darden, in his first visit ever to New York City, was to give afternoon and evening lectures at $25 a ticket, with $100 mm-hmm. buying a fan the chance to paw the man himself at a pre-lecture mm-hmm. catered reception. Jeez. But at the matinee I attended at Town Hall, a 1,500-seat theater off Times Square, Mr. Darden's audience included a red plush sea of roughly 900 empty seats. Oh, my God. <laughs> after he finished both the evening performance and a Monday night repeat in Philadelphia. Oh, after he finished, the evening performance and the Monday night repeat in Philadelphia were canceled. The Broadway oh. flop may be but a Rosa Lopez-sized footnote to tabloid history, but it's also a poignant illustration of what can happen to good people, especially good people in public surface, when America's Faustian culture of celebrity comes to call. Yeah. The Yada, yada, yada. On Sunday, as he gave it to the Beast... I felt sorry for the guy. A block down 43rd Street from Town Hall, a large, excited black audience lined up at another theater to see Deaf Comedy Jam. Mr. Darden's sparser audience was older and predominantly white. Sure. The desultory atmosphere was that of long-gone Times Square freak shows like Hubert's Museum and Porno Houses. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) In place of Barker's were a concert promoter and a publisher ready to pounce should the press try to pry loose any of their clients' intellectual property gratis. This is where it gets brutal. During the catered reception, Mr. Darden stood in a dim mezzanine-level passageway, 
as a procession of women, some of them balancing pizza with their cameras, insisted not just on an autograph, but a kiss. Quote, Chris, come party with us, belted one impatient customer, as if at Chippendales. Oh, man. At the lecture itself, Mr. Darden picked up the cue, presenting himself as a sex symbol. I tr- I've tried to get married, he said as he deflected gossip, looking into Marsha Clark. Inducing cries of, quote, keep trying, and I'll try with you. Oh, my God. But once he turned to his prepared talk, the mood changed completely. Oh, then now it gets serious. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Mr. Darden's show is that rare flop well worth reviving. Oh, wow. What a twist. I want to see that, too. Yeah, I guess the, the gist of this story, because I, I only read the sad parts, is that it's actually a very meaty, interesting show. <laughs> but nobody was there for that. That's wild. Isn't that brutal? Holy moly. Stealing oh, kisses I, from Chris Darden with pizza in your hand? I love the OJ trial so much. Yeah. So these are some of the B-sides. So much. Beautiful. Beautiful. Ugh. So we'll revisit I OJ. I remember that's one of the I'm stories sure. when we first did the podcast. You told me you were excited to talk about OJ. I'm very excited. And then we missed the boat. OJ. Thank God we for did. Ezio. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Vincent. So let's talk about Mad About You. Yeah, sure. We're going to strip down this process, too, everybody. Yeah, we're not going beat by beat through the whole episode. If you want that, yeah. watch it. What watch do you need to episode. hear us say it for? It's stupid. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to tell you about what we like. Yeah. Won't that be nice? Um, I'll tell you what. Our audience sure likes it. Yes, Tracy on do. Facebook said she thinks it's a cute episode with some good moments. And she really likes Susanna, who she says dropped off the planet like Selby. So that's sad, I guess. I, I that is. Sad. I wasn't sure what happened to her. I th- I'm not sure if she recurs at all. Uh, I know. I, sh- I I feel like I saw her more. She's great. She's great. Uh, Ezio liked the episode a lot. He said all the yep. side performances were very strong. Couldn't agree more. From Ira to mm-hmm. Ursula, even Maggie. Yeah. And oh, and he's got a little crush on Susanna. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mac Jackson, of course, uh, host of Never Gets Old, the MacGyver podcast, said he loves oh, the episode. Very true to life. The back and forth is very natural. Couldn't agree more. He says it's such a great example of them being uh, a team and enjoying each other's company and playfully teasing each other. And he loves how comfortable Paul is when the guy hits on Jamie. That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, It was directed by Tom Schlamme, the Cats Man. The Cats Man. And written by Jeffrey Lane, who is a a canon. Mad about you, canon. (laughs) He writes some of the best. I like this episode a whole lot. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's what... It's not one of the magic ones. Right. Right. So of the mid-tier, it's maybe one of my favorite. I agree. If you like your average one of the Mel Mad About You episode, I'd put it at the top. This isn't a great one, but it's a great good one. Yes, it's a great good one. Yeah. That's very Um, good. Yeah. And frankly, I'll take a great good one over a good great one. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Wow. Great Um, good is greater than good great. <laughs> Who can make a bumper sticker? Who's the philosopher now? <laughs> We're so smart, John. <laughs> I don't even remember what I said before. Me neither. Um, so, so this episode <laughs> here's here's us. Yeah, here's us mixing things up. Here's the cold open. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> so the gist though is this episode cuts between the whole episode. Paul and Jamie are out at like riffs, right? And they're going to meet yeah. Jamie's classmate Suzanne at the apartment, like right. an hour from now. And meanwhile, Ira goes to their apartment, no one's there, and Susanna shows up early. So the whole episode yeah. cuts back and forth between Ira and Susanna at the apartment alone, and Paul and Jamie out on the, uh, out on the town. 
Yeah, that's what happens in this. The first thing that happens in the cold open... What did you think of this cold open, John? Paul talks in his sleep, and he's saying Mr. Yeah. Mooney... Okay, do, yeah. do you know the reference? I didn't. Jen did, and Jen thought that you would. I had a hunch. My first hunch was wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah? My second hunch, I think, is right, but I don't know the all right thank you. So he says, Mr. Mooney, Mr. Mooney, all right, thank you, in his sleep. Mr. Mooney's a character right. from Here's Lucy, right? Or the Lucy show? Yes, that's correct. Yes, from the Lucy show, right. yeah. Played by Gail Gordon, who I think we've talked about on the show before. Probably. She wanted to be Fred Mertz. Yes, Which okay. is so insane, because he's so different from William Frawley. The character would have been so different. There you go. Because Gail Gordon's a very, like, uh, aristocratic kind of... You get a, you get an upper-class vibe from him a little, you know? Sure. And Fred's like a schlub, in a way. A cheapskate, right. tightwad. Right, you right, know. right. Give me three more words that mean that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I could, I could talk about Gail Gordon forever. It's well, just sweet, fun. because they tried to work together for so... For decades. Yeah. You know? And he was yeah, yeah. always tied up when she was trying to cast him in her projects, and he never wanted to abandon what he was doing because he felt like a jerk. Well, that's nice they got to. It, it's very nice, yeah. Huh. What a so, weird yeah. reference. <laughs> if, I mean, it's, it's probably a, a deliberate pull. I thought it was the tag to taxi, the production company thing, and, but it's Goodnight Mr. Walter. <laughs> Oh, uh, okay. That was a 10-minute deep dive. I didn't realize that. I don't even remember the attack to taxi. Good night, Mr. Walter. Okay. You remember that? I don't. Uh. Taxi's a good show. Oh, sure is. We'll do that one next. Can't wait. We'll do one episode every six months. <laughs> so, yeah. So, here's the thing that I liked from this episode. Yeah. A whole lot. At the beginning of it, Jamie does an impression of Paul, and it's pretty <laughs> wonderful. I said the chicken was a poem. Really? See, right there, I was thinking chicken, and then suddenly I wasn't in a chicken frame of mind. <laughs> Honey, do you think Murray's okay out there? Of course he is. A, he's in the vestibule, and two, he's got fur. <laughs> What's the matter? You're saying he's not okay? Honey, because if you're saying he's not okay, sweetie, no, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right. In fact, you are consistently right, me not so much. <laughs> You are such a sucker for Jamie impressions of Paul. Yeah, but so are you. No, not anymore. You loved this too. Not anymore. It's old hat. It? I, I didn't mind it, but I'm not, you know, enthralled by it. I'm just like, yeah, it's, you know, it's sweet. You guys are. I'll, I'll say this. I think the first time we saw it, well, definitely the first time we saw it, it happens in the first episode. It does. And we were just like, wow. Yeah. How did she do she that? She did a great impression of him in no time. Yeah. And now you're like, come on, that's the best impression you got after three right. seasons. <laughs> yeah, you've been married three years. That's the best you yeah. can do. We get it. Two and a half. Yeah. Oh, come on. So what? You say first, you say number one and A, or number <laughs> one and B, and then, uh, and you say, you know, uh, oh, what the hell? And you're happening? ambivalent about food. Yeah. You're <laughs> oh, and then you say not so much, and all of a sudden you think you're Paul Riser. Yeah. Uh, bone up a little bit. Buckman, Paul Buckman. Paul Buckman. I. I know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. It's sweet. Yeah. You're over it. Yeah, I'm I'm over it. <laughs> what uh what'd you like? Um, oh boy. <laughs> I tried to not take a ton of notes. I took so many notes. Oh boy. I love any sense really. Oh, it does make sense. The way Susanna comes in. So Susanna's played by an actress named Ann Bobby. 
Yes. Have you seen her before in anything? I have. I, I looked up her credits. I'm wondering if she sticks out to me because she was in Born on the Fourth of July, which is a movie that I saw a few times. Oh, interesting. Um, <gasps> she would be our second guest actress who's worked with Oliver Stone before being on Mad About You. Interesting. That very interesting. Interesting. And I think I know her from. She's in the Mad About You Oliver Stone Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other one? Beata Potsniak. Oh, that's right. I'm. Oh, she was in JFK. I'm ridiculous. Yeah, that's she great. played. Um, who killed JFK again? Not Oswald. Yep. Oh yeah, Oswald. She played his wife. That's right. Hey John, great news. Lee Harvey Oswald is all over this episode of Mad About Mad About You. Wait, really? Yeah, we touched, I talked about Oh, of Mad About Mad About You. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, I know. I get, I get him mixed up with uh, who's the guy after that killed who's the, who killed Oswald? Jack Ruby. That's uh, Oh, really? Yes. Oh, what a great name. He sounds like he's in showbiz. Well, he kind of wanted to be. He ran a nightclub and was in the mafia. Oh, really? Yeah. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Too bad he didn't just do that. <laughs> Well, well, uh, just the first part, the nightclub yeah, part. Yeah. yeah, the the murdering was kind of part of the second part. <laughs> I see. Right, 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 right. Oh, I got tripped out because she played a character named Laura Metcalf in Comfortably Numb. <laughs> okay. Like, she played Laurie Metcalf? She also does voices in the Bioshock series of video games. Yes. Which, Very lucrative. Which, yes, which is huge. I've never played it. I know almost nothing Me about neither. it, but I know that it is massive. People freak out. Yeah. Oh, she's also in the grossest movie ever that you probably like because you're a sophisticated artsy oh, guy. Oh, that's right. Happiness. Happiness. That's what I know her from. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. That's, a, that's a movie that at the time, when I first saw it, I was just like, I, re I really liked it, and I got... Well, I, I mean, I was just, oh, this is art, and it's yeah, disturbing, right. and it's whatever. And now I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't know how I would feel about this movie right now. It would probably just really skeeve me out and be it's uh, gross so gross. for the sake of grossness. You know what happened to me? First movie I ever saw with Philip Seymour Hoffman, Magnolia, plays a sweetheart nurse. Oh, Second boy. movie I ever saw with Philip Seymour Hoffman, State in Maine, plays a sweetheart playwright. Third movie I ever saw with Philip Seymour Hoffman, Happiness. Yeah. And then I realized every movie he's in, except the first two I saw, he plays disgusting creep. He plays creep. a creepo. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the first movie I saw him in was Boogie Nights. Oh, um, yeah. That one is less disgusting. He's both. Yeah, he's, he's both. He's, right. He's creepy and super sweet. Yeah. And then I think I saw him in Happiness. And I was just like, what is this guy? Same. Why would he take her? I sound like my mother. Like, why would he do a role like this? <laughs> He's interesting. Yeah, doesn't he have a he family? super interesting. He's a great actor. Oh, I uh, She so. also has been on Broadway a ton. Yep. Nothing I ever heard of. All these musicals that all ran for like weeks. <laughs> sure. One ran from April 5th to April 15th, 1984 called The Human Comedy. Great. She was in... A relatively famous production of Merrily We Roll Along in 1994. Like, there's a cast recording that I've listened yeah, to several that's right. times. That's right. Do you yeah. know that recording? I think I do know the recording. Yeah. With um, Danny Burstein. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it, they called it the pared down version. Okay. Uh, I was at the York Theater. Uh, and she was a replacement in I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change. Oh, well, that's neat. Seinfeld set to music. <laughs> Did you ever see it? Yeah, but I saw it. 
in 2010. I saw it like right before it closed because I'd wanted to see wow. it my whole life. Well, yeah. since it was a thing. Sure. Like I spent, ugh, I wanted to see it so badly. I spent one day, I one day in New York once, I spent the whole day trying to get the CD. And I got it at Colony Records at the very Colony, end of the day. Colony, they'll help you out. Have I, you seen you it? Even, no, but before you, I didn't see it, but before you even <sighs> finished that sentence, I was just like, oh, well, if you're going, if you want to find a cash yep. recording, you're going to wind up at Colony. I learned it that day. You. Yeah. There were so many shops then. I even went to the box office because I was like, oh, they sell swag. They, they sell merch there. Right. Sure and they were like, no, try Virgin. No. Try, oh, gosh. Yeah. So anyway, she's great. Yeah. But what I was going to say about her, she comes in full. She has this great monologue at the top, you know? Yes. She comes in. She sees Ira. She assumes he's Paul. Right. And she's so comfortable. She just launches into a story because she's never met Paul before. Which is a real sweet spot for you. You love it when characters do this. Yes. I love when they come in full. It's a trope on the sh- Not a trope. Yeah, trope on the show. It happens a lot on the show. Yeah. It's a good one. And she's got this great speech. I'm on the subway and I meet this guy and he says, what do you do? And I say, I got a band. He says, you got a band? I got a club. I say, get your hand out of my pocket. Anyway, he hands me his card and he's got this really sweet smile. So I call up the band and I say, meet me. So they meet me. Only Derek can't get off work, right? So we go up to the club. Club my ass. It's a roof. I say, it's a roof. He says, it's going to be a club. I say, I got a closet. It's going to be a Baskin Robbins. I, I mean, why do these things happen to me? Here's what's weird to me about this speech, though. So she's a musician. Yep. Right? Yep. Just like Ira. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something in common. It starts with a guy who's basically a creep trying yes. to grope her by putting yes. his hand in her pocket. It ends with her being like, well, he's kind of sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's we can a hell play of a time. <laughs> it was a hell of a time. It sure was. Uh, what I like, I like their relationship. I wrote like halfway through all the snippets of them. I said it's like Danny and the Deep Blue sure. Sea, because it's just like these two ruffians from New York, yeah, <laughs> trying to yeah. find love together. That's you know, really funny. Like all they do is fight, but it expresses care. Danny the whole and time. the Deep Blue Sea is a John Patrick Shanley show about two miserable beasts, two miserable lost <laughs> beasts from the Bronx love. with thick accents. Yeah. Like, like when Iris, like, what? You hungry? Grab yeah. a knife. <laughs> uh, I love great. her. That's all. I wish. I can't believe she's not his girlfriend on the show. Like, do we not get any more uh, of her? How's that not a thing? Uh, oh, I should. I'll look. I'll look I right now. I thought it said recurring. I hope it said recurring. I hope I'm. But I, I may be wrong. We get four. Okay. We get four. Good. Okay, good. Because yeah, she's good. she's we she's should. so fun. She's not back till the spring though. We got to go That's eight episodes without her. What do you think? Maybe. We hear about her the whole uh, time? There's, there's, hmm. well, she's got an arc in this episode. Like, I feel like they were building. Yeah, like a romance yeah. that's going to, like, recur yeah, yeah, every yeah. episode. Like, he's I got a girl also now. Liked, well, so what's I liked, you liked in this episode, Paul and Jamie have a ton of fun at Riffs and then some trying to pick yes. up on each other because Paul's got to, he's got to write the script for his upcoming uh, film. Yeah, his new yeah. project. Is he got hired to make how to? F- uh, well, he's been doing yes. how to. So videos. the new one is how to find him, meet him, and make him yours. And not only is he Which shooting is so it, funny. but he's writing it. Yeah. Why did they? Who? I don't know. Who and why? We'll we'll never find out. We'll never find out. <laughs> so we find out Paul's strategy for like yes. picking up women and yeah, buy a yeah. drink, make eye contact, not eye too contact. much eye contact, the right amount That's of eye right. contact. 
And then straight to the come here often. Yeah. The come here often. This is all, this is all no super good. fun. In addition to probably more than the weird flirting that he tries to do, I really enjoy the reasons that he gives for why he can't pick up on certain women in riffs. He sees it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Jamie is pointing out. Jamie is saying, hey, go ahead and flirt. Meet these women. Yeah, she's like, I want to see your, let's, let's, let's test see your, your game. theory. You have permission to go pick yeah. up a woman in front and of And so he's looking around. He says of one woman, too tall. We hear another woman off screen who is just like, she kind of has a fun energy to her voice. And yes. Paul just says, too peppy. And then yeah, he peppy. looks back at a woman who Jamie says would be perfect for him. And he says, no sense of irony. Yeah, which I is, love that. Especially oh, after last God, week. Which is such a great thing to say off of looking at somebody yeah yeah i it's hard to i feel like no, you could pick you that up right absolutely cannot no and that's you can't. why it's hilarious right. that's yeah. why it's funny okay am i crazy or is the woman that jb suggests at the end definitely on a date Probably. with another guy? oh yeah definitely seem to be <laughs> there's a guy sitting yeah. at the table they're sitting adjacent like yeah. they're not across from each yeah. other even they're She's next in to in the each middle other. of a conversation with another man that's yeah. really funny one of paul's so yeah, that leads one of to Paul's great that, lines. Oh, which one? The pickup, oh, the pickup line. Pickup yeah. line? Oh. Uh, he says to Jamie. Oh. Here we go. Pick me up. I can't pick you up. Why not? Because it's stupid. You think you can't do it? Of course I can do it. I did it. You're up. That's so that's, funny. That's uh, some classic. That's their version of like wordplay. Yeah. Their, their version, like Seinfeld does the same kind of thing with other words. Right. It's different somehow. That's their manure, I guess. <laughs> it's more active. <laughs> I love um, it. Oh but my this gosh. leads to this just a great see. So, you know, eventually Jamie's like, oh, okay, your thing stinks. Let me, I'll try and lure you. And she goes over to the bar and starts right. like mouthing a straw flirtily. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I'm not falling for this. And j- the moment right. that the dude at the bar enters the frame and sits down and tries to pick her up is um, unbelievable. It's so funny. It's so great. Ursula has great Ursula, moments this is a all this. great she's, Ursula episode. She's really, really funny. The dude is played by a guy named Eric Lutz, who we recognize. Did you? I did not. Jen knew right away, and I cannot remember what she said. Really? Caroline in the City? Yes. Yep. Jen had, like, character names. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, he's the he's like... If Caroline wasn't in the show, I think it'd be named after him. Yeah, I could not. I could not pull it, but yeah, I can't either. And I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I don't see it. Any- oh, I hate this new IMDb format. The name is ridiculous. If I remember Del. correctly, Del, Del Cassidy. Yeah. Del yeah. Cassidy. Oh, Del. Go to hell, oh, Del. <laughs> he was all over TV. He's the yeah. quintessential. He is like the archetypal '90s sitcom bachelor yes like to a t yeah he may have been he looks as though he would have been on 30 shows right playing the same character he could be the guy from boston common for a second we were like is that fun bobby from friends yep and we knew none of them quite fit but it was it's like they cloned this guy for every other show yeah yeah so you know he's picking up (laughs) he's picking up uh jv and paul goes over to take notes and he's spying on her and you get this pretty this this joke starts fun, it gets funny, and then it goes so adult that it's shocking. Yes. 
I don't mean to embarrass you, but it's not like you haven't heard it a million times before, right? <laughs> Just get him to talk a little slower. Uh, excuse me, friend. Uh, me? You. <laughs> oh, you know this guy? Sort of. Yeah, I'm, I'm her husband. Oh, really? Paul. Oh, hey, Paul, listen, man, I'm sorry. No, no, hey, you go ahead. I'm just gonna take a couple of notes. You go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, no, hey, it's okay. Um, I'm not into this, so... Uh... A little cuckold joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul was a cuck before that was... Before... Before it was a thing to be. No, well, I, <laughs> I think it was a thing to be since Shakespeare, at least. I guess that's, that's true. Because I but learned no, about that in high school. But not like now. Yeah, not like now. <laughs> no, we're, we're learning. We're really building this dossier of Paul being a little uh, yeah. horn dog. <laughs> All of this is very fun. I, I love Paul listening in as, as the flirting happens. You go ahead. I'm just going to take a couple notes. That's so funny to me. And then... Uh, oh, Paul Buckman's another... take on lesbian scenes? Uh, Paul Buckman's take on lesbian scenes is great. It's naked and fun, and I agree with both of them. <laughs> I agree with both of them. Ugh. Um, it's something about... The charm is how he misuses... That is, I guess, one of his things. He misuses words. Yes. And they don't and literally a... translate, but the feel of them is even clearer. That's the magic yeah. of Paul's dialogue. That is true. That's how you go a from one bit, to A, you know? Right. And they do their whole uh, who versus whom thing again. Yeah, he does whom, and she calls him out. Well, they do it uh, earlier in the episode. Oh, they do? Yeah. He says, because uh, she, she says, he says who, and she says whom, and he says, stop it. <laughs> oh, I missed that. It's really fun. And then later, she says, or rather, he says whom, and she questions him on it. She's right. like, oh, because he misuses it. She says, whom? And he says, like you like, which is a really sweet it is. thing to yes. say. And it's a w- sweet way to say it. He was wrong. He was wrong. Oh, he, brother. Yeah. I didn't know. The, the, yeah, the second time around, uh, he says, maybe someone should fix us up. He says, with whom? Actually, you know, that's right. So yeah, I, I, think I, it's right. I, I was wrong. Yeah, that is correct. But I think she was just, so she was just, um, she was questioning just, the fact that he was using right, it at all. Yeah, because it's surprising. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, she says, whom, like you like. This is sweet. <laughs> oh, also, it's uh, Ira. So Ira is worried that Susanna is going to steal something because she tries to steal the Siegfried and Roy matches from the drawer. Right. He doesn't trust her at all. At all. And he's got nor, a should, nor should he. He doesn't know yeah, her. Yeah, she's a klepto, I think. Yeah. And also, yeah, she's a klepto. She's a stranger. He shouldn't be in the apartment. So she should definitely he's not family. be in the apartment. He's fa- he did let himself in. You know, it's yeah, he has a key. Yeah. Who knew? I didn't. It's weird that he thought they were there, but still let himself in, actually. He should have buzzed. That's a good point. Yeah. Whoa. Paradox. <laughs> I think. One sweet part is when uh, he finds out from Susanna that Jamie calls him cu- uh, her cousin. Yes. And he's like, she called me that? That is sweet. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, oh, that's nice. Oh, but what I was going to say is he's reading the Victoria's Secret catalog. Is he? I didn't realize yeah. that. Well, you know why? Because <laughs> I watched it on my beautiful big TV that I just got. Hey. I can see Everything on this show now. <laughs> I thought you were just like, oh, man, it's great, Russ. I got this new TV. I could see the Victoria's Secret catalog. Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> it's just so funny because it's like, what happened? <laughs> this TV is already paid for yeah. itself. <laughs> what happened to their time subscription? It's a good question. When did the Buckman household become a bunch of dummies? <laughs> 
He should be flipping through a section of the paper, you know? I don't know, but it's definitely happened. Yeah, it did. Ira and Susanna, man, they're great. Their animosity. This this is just one. I love when she starts talking about how like she was picturing different. I think uh-huh. it's when she's talking about uh, when she was exp- when she still thinks it's Paul and she was like, exp- right, right. I think. Well, that happens early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, th- yeah. This is later for uh, wait, when is it? oh five minutes in. Well, whatever. You'll you got the idea. I mean, you know how you get a picture in your head. I mean, this apartment. I was right there. You, I was way off. <laughs> Why would you picture? I don't know. Taller. I'm five nine. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and a hat. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. I'm sorry. It's just it's the picture. In your head. Yeah. Adjust it. I will. The adjust it. Right, yes, that's very funny. The whole their whole dynamics like that. It's wonderful. They're gonna kill each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thirty yeah. years from now they're gonna well, It's fun yeah, they, they they seem to they are pushing each other's buttons in a fun way. The whole the the whole way. But then later on, you know, she kind of uh, she does a great job of picking up on him when she says that, you know, I used to be a psychic. I used to be a telephone psychic. Yeah. And you're missing something, you're looking for something, and you find it here. Yeah. I thought they were going to do it in the bed, and then Paul and Jamie were going to catch him. My, that seemed likely. I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> I'm glad, you know. Me too. <laughs> it part. I also liked that work because because that scene took place in Paul and Jamie's. Not only does it mean like I feel like she was talking about herself. You know, you're looking for something oh, here, absolutely. and it's me. But more than that, maybe a little bit more than that, there she's also talking about the relationship that Paul and Jamie have. You're looking for something here in this apartment. <laughs> sure. You, you, you disagree. I don't know. That's beautiful. That Now I, I feel like the kid in school is like, the mockingbird doesn't symbolize anything. Harper <laughs> Lee just wanted to write about a bird. <laughs> I, I think it works in both ways. I think you're, that's, a, that's beautiful. Because you do get um, a lot of, yeah, you're right. The fact that they're sitting on the couch like Paul and Jamie really lends a lot. Yeah, to your subconscious. He, I mean, he 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 talks about. Yeah, he, he loves their. Heard, you know, he loves their relationship. We haven't, we haven't heard it true. in a long time. How lucky they are to have yeah. each other. That's a great point. They stopped. That was that was every week we heard yeah. about how lucky they are. Eventually, I guess they were like, you know what, guys? <laughs> I think we're <laughs> it good. Was a, it was a feature of the podcast. Yeah, and it just went away. <laughs> what, well, you know, it is back, which I feel like we What's haven't that? in a while. Is the adult full house moment at the end? That's true. Which also I would call it a um, uh, when Harry met Sally moment, right? Yeah, I I love this. Uh, yeah. It was totally earned in my opinion. I I loved Paul Paul talking about Jamie and or just women in general being attracted to married men. Well, she's got good points too. She's got a lot of good points. She gets so excited about things. You know, she's genuinely surprised when we don't win the lottery. And she won't give money to Crazy Pete on the corner, but she'll go a block and a half out of her way to buy the man a sandwich. And her laugh, her egg salad, very strong egg salad, and when she calls me on stuff when I'm making myself crazy, knowing when I need to make myself crazy, and then, then going there with me. Mostly her egg salad. <laughs> That egg salad bit is great. <laughs> yeah. It's funny and to me that you describe that. Is Paul talking about Jamie, but then amended it to say, or, you know, just married men talking to women. 
that yeah whereas earlier i was broadening the scope and it made me seem very smart and thoughtful yeah now i, I now i widen the scope yeah it's indiscriminate completely yeah to completely, oh it's like when two people just talk about anything <laughs> yeah, at that's all that's what i like know? about it oh uh, that's my favorite <laughs> i like how in this scene they talk <laughs> guess what i found what's up so in the tag they're watching that uh old video or show or film or whatever it is yeah i could first off it is funny how like janky the tag is because you can't understand by the way way, listeners uh that's the end of the episode is paul and jamie get off the elevator and they head into the apartment and uh as they're heading in uh ira and susanna are leaving and the two couples say hello to each other and ira and susanna are looking kind of coupley getting into the big time Big time. Big time. And yeah, and Paul and Jamie look at each other like, what's going on there? Wasn't expecting any of that to happen. Oh, um, one other thing. I just, this is funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> just, this is the weird way showbiz works. Maggie Con- the character Maggie Conway's in this episode. Mm-hmm. Played by Judy Geeson, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> She's in the episode for two seconds. Because Ira yep. has to pee, so he goes across the hall, grabs her, says, watch Susanna while I pee. Mm-hmm. Comes back, tips her, which is hysterical. So funny. Like, slips her like a five, and then kicks her out. Yep. It's just so funny to me that just for that joke, this actress gets at least five grand. Yeah. You know, like, good, you know what I mean? That's very true. Like, she yeah. gets to be on the episode for that one jo- It's amazing. People had to dress her? Yeah. Like, the whole thing for that joke. Yeah. And it's such a good joke, though. That's the it's you know. a great joke. Yeah. So in the tag, the end of the episode, when the credits yes. are rolling, they're watching an old thing on TV. And you sort of hear them talking over it, you know, like Paul and Jamie are commenting right. on it. Right. And you can't understand a word they're saying. Right. Very, very little. Like nothing. I mean, out. yeah, it's you can make out that it is hokey. It feels like the sort of thing that would be played in 1950s high schools to teach people about uh, dating. Well, culture. Russ, you nailed it. Yeah? You sure did. It's from this production company that I think made a lot of these called Coronet. Okay. And I'm guessing it's from Paul's childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's called What to Do on a Date. There you go. And it's from 1950 Coronet Instructional Films, High School Romance. <laughs> and it says a high school senior learns how and where to ask a girl for a date, where to take her for a good time, and how to avoid spending too much money or being burned by commercialized amusements. That's <laughs> you found this on YouTube? Yeah, so I think we should watch it for next episode. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. What an episode. I really, really liked it. I did too. Hooray. Feels good to like them. Yeah. There was a little bit of a slog there for a minute. Uh, there were a few there were a few episodes here and there. It was just a little little um grabbing at the collar. Yeah. Uh which isn't a phrase. No. <laughs> No, it's not. Um, the cat, the bird chair. The cat, the bird, the birding cats. The cat bird seat. The cat bird um, seat. That's it. Sounds like yeah. a drama from the seventies. <laughs> it probably is. So, yeah, uh, that's but true. yeah. That being said, this episode super fun. How to fall in love? I fell in love with this episode. That's what happened. Well, that's the end of this episode. And fantastic news. Rise Guys and Rise Gals. John, tell the Rise Guys and Rise Gals the fantastic news, please. We got a website. We do. Finally. Now we're a real podcast. Now, uh, for those of you who are fans of the West Wing Weekly, I think you'll find that it looks extremely similar 
<laughs> I basically copied what they did for the most sure. part. Because you know what? It's a very pragmatic design. If it works, don't you, change it, it. it. Great artists steal. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> go to madaboutupod.com and enjoy. We're adding content to it still. You know, it's it's a work in progress, but it's far enough along that it was worth launching. Uh, you yeah. can link to all the different places we are, you know, like Stitcher, TuneIn. I, there were places I didn't even know we were on. Pocket Casts. Yeah. Uh, Lots I, of ways to listen to us. Yeah. Uh, there are places to comment on the site. Is that correct? Yes, you can leave comments on the episodes if you like. We ask that you do that, Please by all means. Please do. One more. What's, what, what's wrong with one more avenue? <laughs> you can comment there. You can comment uh, on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yes. Um, right, right. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, mm-hmm. It helps get the word out, and it helps people when they come to it to be like, oh, I'll listen to this. I'll try it. Sure. Tell a friend or two. Yes, word of mouth is the strong... Russ, word of mouth is the strongest way to get an audience. I always say that. It's so true, though. It's true. I don't, it's I don't go to anything true. until I hear from a person I trust Yeah, that and I would like you've, it. And you've never... Uh, taking my word on anything, which I uh, am finally starting to understand what that means. It means I don't trust your taste at all. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Right, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, but you can tweet at us at Mad About You Pod. You can Facebook us Mad About You Pod. You can email us Mad About You Pod at gmail dot com. And now you can visit us on the web at www.madaboutyoupod.com. We want to talk to you guys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, we just keep creating you... more ways to talk to you. <laughs> Yeah, if you let us know your thoughts, we will share them with the rest of the podcast listening audience. Uh, yeah, that's all. That's that's everything, right? That's, that's all the ways. Up. Boom. Anything to plug? Wonderful. Public pool every Tuesday. Come check us out. Magnet Theater. Beautiful. 29th and 8th. How about yourself, John? Uh, nothing. I don't think I don't think anything right now. You know what I will plug? What's that? <laughs> I had nothing to do with this. But I saw 8th grade last night. Was it great? Bo Burnham's new film? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I think it's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen in my life. Wow. I got to see it. I would go back tonight. Wow. And tomorrow. Like, there's so much there. I'll check it out. It's so rich and wonderful and hilarious and sad. Oh, it's everything. I've heard terrific things. I got to check it out. How good it is. You don't see movies like that. I... uh, (laughs) I don't see movies like that. Yeah, you don't see movies. That's why I don't trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll plug We that. have a theme song, everybody, and our theme song goes like this. It's by John D. Ivy. Thank you so much for this, John. Uh, we have a logo by Mr. Nathan Diffie. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan, D-I-F-F-E-E. Thank you, Nathan. And our sound was mixed by Mr. Vuk Yovanovich. Thank you, Vuk. Wonderful. John, I feel great. How about you? Yeah. Wonderful. Let's uh, let's do this again. Yeah. Great. Rise, guys and rise, gals. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, we, this is Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader. Good job, Jonathan Mobley. <laughs> and girl. Girl, uh, I'm sorry. This I'm is what sorry. we're saying. And this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying. <laughs>